From the EPR Creation Studio, this is the Unconquered Podcast, Hot Takes Edition, after Florida State 31, North Carolina 28. Florida State's first win over a top five team since winning over Notre Dame in 2014. It's been six years since Florida State had a win of this caliber. It's been a long time since Florida State's beaten a ranked team. I actually didn't check that, but it's been quite a while. And uh, yeah, this was a this was a huge win for Florida State. And and really, this was if you're Mike Norvell, this this couldn't have come at a better time. And it is your proof of concept. It's your signature win. And every new coach in a program needs a signature win that they can point to in recruiting and in their own locker room so that they can say, look, this is what our program, this is where we're headed. This is what we're doing. And this was Mike Norvell's. And I tell you what, this, this was, uh, this was a good North Carolina football team. And this was a North Carolina football team that has learned how to win the last couple of years, has good culture. And you could tell by the way that they absolutely did not give up. Florida state had to hang on and earn this win. No doubt. And you got to hand it to the Florida state coaching staff for, first of all, I do think that overall Florida State managed to managed to get a couple things in terms of scheme and preparation in this game where they they outcoached the Carolina coaching staff a little bit in this game particularly uh in special teams and the Florida State defense against North Carolina's offense. Uh and and you got to hand it to to Fuller and you got to hand it to the special team staff which really starts with Norvell to for this game basically boiled down to two block punts and a and a pick six. Those those three things ultimately put North Carolina too far behind to be able to recover, even with that Ferrari of an offense that they have, and that's a really good offense that North Carolina has. And but it was a tale of two halves in this game. Florida State won the first half by twenty four. They went up twenty four to nothing. Won the first half thirty one to seven, and then promptly lost the second half twenty one to nothing. And you know I had actually projected that Florida State would score thirty one points in this game. It was right on the number. I did not expect all thirty one of those points to come in the first half. That was uh, that was pretty shocking, but they they could not have played much better in the first half. And I did think that in the second half, they got just a little bit stale and North Carolina also started to figure them out a little bit. Uh, I thought that that there were some things that that Florida State's offensive staff in particular did that uh, they, they treated this game as a rivalry game. Uh, there are certain things that you can do. Uh, my suspicion is that the, the Florida State staff. When they looked at the schedule, they circled this one as a this is a winnable game against a good, against the team that's going to be ranked highly because there were some tendency breakers and some things that they ran particularly early to get up that are suggestive of of special preparation for this game. Uh, so and, and and by the way, I think that's very smart. I, I wouldn't waste that stuff on Clemson, but I pull out all the stops on North Carolina because you're not beating Clemson. It's very unlikely that you're going to beat Clemson, but this was a winnable game as as we saw. And so what you do is you you pull out your stuff there. And I, I thought they they the the one play to the tight end, the little uh the little throwback up the seam, that's something that Mike Norvell's done in the past. Uh that's something actually Memphis did today against UCF as well. Uh it's in the offense, but it's not something that he pulls out a bunch. And in terms of formation and tendency, they knew exactly when to go to it. They broke their tendency a little bit. They'd been showing that little that little run with with uh, Jordan Travis all along, and then, bam! All of a sudden, you have that to a walk on, which made it that much more surprising, that much more of a tendency breaker, and th- that was illustrative of how they handled things all game. And Carolina basically was on script. They did what they what they do, 
And I thought Fuller in certain places did a really good job. Fuller and the defensive staff did a really good job of understanding what Carolina's tendencies are and having the right call for those tendencies. And most notably on the pick six, where Carolina with Javante Williams in the backfield there has really liked to get him peeled out on, on those, uh, on those flare routes against that kind of look. And what does Florida state do? They, they peel the defensive end to get in that passing lane. And it just happens to be a, a heck of a play by, by Josh Kando to, to make that interception. And, couldn't happen to a better guy. I mean, I tell you what, Kando deserves everything he gets in terms of positives. Uh, a terrific human being and a, and a high character guy who's just not had a lot go right for him. And all of a sudden, he just made a huge play that really was the play that that broke Carolina's back. That was the play that put Florida State up 24 and ahead by enough that they uh, weren't, that, that basically that was the cushion. That was enough cushion that North Carolina was not going to catch him. So uh, so yeah, that was that was critical. Also, all that said, I mean, a lot of this game was really right on expectations. I mean, I'll, I'll, here's here's what I had to say in my in my game preview, my summary of the game preview of what we would expect from North Carolina on offense against Florida State's defense. I would expect something like seven yards of play for North Carolina in this game. Uh, if Florida State can hold North Carolina under six yards of play, that is a that, that's an accomplishment. That's a really good offense and. Uh, yeah, I mean, heck, under six yards a carry in the running game uh, would be something that I would actually regard as rather encouraging. Well, North Carolina was basically right on expectation there with a total of 6.9 yards per play. So 0.1 yards below the projection, right on the money there. But here's the thing. Florida State made North Carolina earn every yard they got in this game or very nearly every yard. And that's what you re- really want to do to them. You want to make sure that if you're going to play a great offense, if you're going to play one of the best offenses in the country, they're going to score points. They're going to get yards. And I had you know somebody on Twitter was saying, well, Florida State gave up over 500 yards. I mean, how could this be? How, how could that be a, a, a solid defensive performance? Look, against that offense, that's a solid defensive performance by and large, because you're playing an, an offense that's going to go for f- over 500 yards against almost any team they play. The key is, can you make them earn those yards and can you win key situations so that they don't turn all those yards into points? And that's what Florida State was able to do in this game. They were able to get some key stops, even though North Carolina was able to go up and down the field by and large, they were able to get some key uh, stops due to getting pressure on the quarterback at just the right time, getting a hand on the football here, just little things, winning situations. And this goes back to Two coaches ago, you heard a coach that talked all about, you you know, you got to win situations. You got to win situations. It's all about winning situations. And there's a reason for that. Because you you can have fewer yards. You can have all sorts of stuff where you give up a lot of yards and still win games because you win key situations. You get a team, you you get a key stop, a key tackle for a loss. I mean, you go back to Marvin Wilson, that that, uh, tackle in the backfield on uh, Michael Carter, was was critical in the second half that that kept North Carolina from getting into a third and short situation and then they weren't able to get the first down. Well, that that changes everything. You get one tackle for loss and yeah, they've been getting chunk plays all the way down the field and then you get a tackle for loss and then they don't get a first down and all of a sudden you've got to stop. It's about winning that one or two plays and then not giving up huge long chunk plays. And that was the other thing that that Florida State was able to do in this game where you look at the long plays that North Carolina has lived on and 
they didn't have a bunch of them, particularly in the running game. And that's where, you know, I said, look, hold him, hold him under six yards of carry. And you've done great work because those two backs are legit. Javante Williams. And I think everybody who watched this game knows Javante Williams. And that's the guy I told you guys about in that preview podcast. Javante Williams is a beast. Michael Carter's also an NFL back, but Javante Williams is a future NFL starter. And he got his yards, 18 carries, 119 yards, 6.6 yards a carry. But overall on the day, including sack yardage, 4.1 yards per carry. And Michael Carter limited to 3.8 yards per carry. So between Carter and Williams, you're looking at about four and a half, uh, just under five yards a carry. That's, that's getting it done. Against that pair of backs and that offensive line, that's a good offensive line. And the thing is, they were able to keep them from long runs. The longest run on the day was 27 yards from Javante Williams. Michael Carter, who's the, the home run hitter, the, the lightning to the Thunder Lightning part, uh, partnership, only 13 yards as his long. And that's not normal for him. He, he's normally, if he gets into the, if he gets beyond the, the line of scrimmage, he's taken off. And Florida State was able, for the first time this season, to actually show good gap discipline and, show, and, and take good angles and run support so that they were not getting gashed. The, the same plays that they were unable to fit correctly on, on the front that they weren't able to, to handle against Notre Dame, they were at least close to in the right fits. And there were a number of plays where they actually were in the right fits. And you could see Carolina's backs actually having to search and fight for any yardage that they got. And that's all you can ask for at this stage. That, that's, that's good football. They've got good players too, and make them work for it. And there were times where Florida State actually managed to get wins up front and get some tackles for loss. I mean, North Carolina came into this game, I think they had uh, six total uh, yards lost in the running game between Carter and Williams on the season. Florida State got more than that in this game. So that's that's number one. And number two, you look in the passing game, the long pass of, of 40 yards, the one the touchdown to Bo Corrales, and then 25 yards, the touchdown to Deami Brown, and then a 38-yarder up the sideline to Javante Williams. You had the 33-yarder to Garrett Walston, but nothing longer than that. And those were really the, the, the big plays, period. So they were able to limit the the big plays, the quick strikes of North Carolina and force them to execute all the way down the field. And even though they were able to average almost seven yards a play, the, the Florida State defense was able to keep them in front enough to frustrate Howell, to frustrate what, what Carolina wanted to do, and to force them to execute just, just one more time, just one more time and finally get a tackle for loss, you know, win a situation, get a pick six in one case and emerge with a win essentially. And that's, that's what you had to do in this game. You have to make sure that you're going to, that you're going to make the other team work for it. And look, Carolina made some mistakes in terms of their, uh, their offensive scheme here. Uh, I, I am unsure of why you would decide in a, uh, you know, inside the five yard line to attack Florida State's best player in Asante Samuel. I don't care how good you think Brown is, Deami Brown is as a receiver. Asante Samuel is not who you want to, att- want to attack in that situation. Go somewhere else. And, you know, some of that, yes, is, is Howell choosing that side as opposed to the other, but ma- make better decisions there. 
And it would it, it's very clear that's something else that I mentioned in the in the pregame that Howell ha- has struggled so far this year to come off his first read, and and particularly he struggled when uh, Daz Newsom has been covered because he really likes to go to Daz Newsom in the slot. Florida State was able to bracket Daz Newsom to take Daz Newsom away with uh, actually three did a terrific job on him defensively. Uh, that's uh, uh, Jar- Jarvis Brownlee. Brownlee did a terrific job on Daz Newsom when they had him in at nickel. And basically when Newsom was taken away, there were a number of times where Howell was staring Newsom down. He expected him to be open. And then what he wasn't open and he wasn't getting rid of the football quickly enough. And then the rush actually got to him. And Carolina kind of figured that out and they started going elsewhere by the, uh, by the mid third quarter and sort of poured it on offensively after that. You could see that uh, Bo Corrales, the, the physical mismatch against Florida State's other corners. Yeah, it's a good idea to go at Florida State's other corners. Anybody other, other than, anybody not named Asante Samuel, go after that guy. And they did. Florida State's going to need to figure out what they, what they're going to need to figure out an option, figure out a way to get some, some quality play from that other, that, that other corner because they've been getting abused over there. And, you know, whether that's uh, Jerry and Jones getting another crack at it, whether that's uh, Dent just improving. The guy actually I liked tonight was Mako Dotson. He got mossed, yes, I know, once, and he should have been beaten for another that was a gift not to have that pass interference called because that was an obvious pass interference. And I, I think both officials are kind of screened out from being able to see it exactly. Uh, and, and, and that ball still hit the receiver's hands. I mean, Corrales still has to catch that. But I like what I saw from Dotson overall. And he's not going to face many wide receivers who are going to be physically out, outmatching him the way that Corrales does because he is a huge guy. So, uh, so yeah, that I, I think Dotson might be the might be the best option there moving forward. But they, they're going to have to figure out a way to get Dent fixed in terms of his technique and in terms of his eye discipline and footwork which is just not very good right now. And, you know, a lot of the physicality, a lot of the physical stuff is there, but he's going to have to be a lot more sound technically to be able to, to be a quality corner. And he's just nowhere near that right now. And I'm not sure what the reason for that is, but it, it is what it is. But the most important thing on that side of the football is that, uh, that while the, the secondary was able to do what they did, and I think Carolina, again, is not used to playing against teams that have the athletes in the secondary to match up against their the quality receivers that they have and that gave them that gave them trouble they're just not used to that to that at all well the most important thing beyond that is that the defensive line showed up florida state's defensive line this is the first time all season that they looked like the defensive line that was expected in the preseason and how about dennis briggs show, deciding to uh to play this season deciding to show up a little bit late but you know better late than never and actually made a contribution. He looked actually like he kept in shape and really it was critical that they had him because once Durden got uh, got ejected due to the to the targeting call, which was a good call, once Durden got ejected because of that, they were very thin up front and it's a good thing that they had uh that they had another quality body there, a guy that can really play that was available and and he played well. I I actually thought Briggs in some in some uh, on some plays actually was he looked better than most of Florida State's defensive line has looked at that spot all year. And this was by far the best that Marvin Wilson has played this season. He actually, he looked like he was fully interested, fully invested in this game, moved better than he has, and uh, and showed some explosion 
in this game. And that's more of what I expected from him all season. And that, like I said, that's a good North Carolina offensive line. And the other thing that I want to call out is they won on fourth and one. They got pushback. They got knocked back on an offensive line that has not been knocked back much this year. I mean, that you, you compare that play to the Miami play, and North Carolina's offensive line is better than Miami's. And you go back to the Miami play that I've harped on, and it's night and day because they actually did their job and knocked the offensive line back and made the back have to work around trash in the backfield, and there was just too much compression and ended up winning on fourth and one. And that was that was a ball game in a lot of ways. So that that's that's the defensive side. That's a, a lot to be encouraged by if you're Florida State. I mean, that you, you managed to hold one of the best offenses in the country, arguably the best offense in the ACC, to 28 points. And you scored seven on defense. So you really, that's a 21-point outing for the defense in terms of points given up, net points given up. That's, that's a big deal against a really good offense. And you can make an argument for Clemson being a better offense, sure. But the North Carolina offense is in the same discussion as Clemson. Now the North Carolina defense, on the other hand, as I said in the pre in the in the uh, in the pregame podcast, not nearly so good. Very well coordinated, but not nearly so good. In fact, here's what I said in the uh, in the pregame podcast. I do think that Florida State can more or less equal what uh, Virginia Tech did, which was 5.4 yards per per uh, per rush and 6.4 yards per play. I think they can get over six yards per play against this North Carolina defense. Uh, you know, the, the, there are some plays to be made, even with Demorian and Terry out. I think they've got some receivers that can give some, give some, uh, give Carolina some difficulty in the middle of the field, in particular against those safeties. And uh, there are plays to be had against this North Carolina defense, despite how well coordinated they are. Uh, and I think somewhere around six yards per play is kind of the expectation. If they go above six yards per play, then I think it's a successful outing for the offense. Uh, and, you know, you just got to take that. And then, you know, you're hoping for a couple turnovers, maybe a special teams play to keep you in the game and, and put you in position to win it. Florida State absolutely could win this game. Well, Florida State not only exceeded six yards per play against that defense, but managed to put up 7.9 yards per play on the day. That's that's an excellent outing and uh, was able to, to get the better of some matchups, especially early on using formation, using uh, basically a little bit of window dressing to force exactly the looks that they wanted from Jay Bateman and that, uh, that North Carolina defense to get some big plays early on. And what can you say about Jordan Travis? I mean, at this point, all you can say is he's a gamer and a competitor. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the competitiveness that he has brought to the game and his willingness to play through some pain, his, uh, you can see just the level of effort that he plays with as a runner has been infectious to this, to this team. He has, he has really, uh, shown what a difference a quarterback can make. And we, it's funny because the week before he took over, that was what I was talking about is it's all about the quarterback position for Florida state. How quickly can Florida state get things turned around? Well, when, you tell me when they find a quarterback, and I'll tell you when they'll get things turned around. And I still don't think, you know, long term that Jordan Travis is going to be the guy that is, you know, going to lead Florida State to the promised land. But he's a guy that can, you, that you can win with. And the competitiveness and just the uh, the the ability to make plays is ultimately what he brings to the table. Passing numbers not great in this game. 
And again, he's limited as a passer. That's okay. Eight for 19, 42%. If you just stop there, you go, oh man, that's a bad game. But for 191 yards, 10.5 or 10.1, 10.05 yards per, per attempt. Now that you can take. He made his completions count, and that's the key. So yeah, not the most accurate outing, not the not something that you're going to write home about in terms of completion percentage, but boy, did he make his completions count. Had passes of 37, 58, 39, and 33. Well, you can do that. You can win with that. And really, you know, to get a good comparison, you have to think of him as kind of an old school option quarterback. I, I saw somebody uh, this week, they, they tweeted at me asking whether or not I thought it was fair to compare him to someone like Eric Crouch. Uh, the 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 old Nebraska quarterback back in the day. And actually, I think that that's kind of the right way to think about him. He's like an old school option quarterback. Look, you're not going to win with him as a pro style possession passer. You're just not. You're not going to win games with a 42% completion percentage if you're asking him to do that. But you can live with 42% completion percentage and 10 yards per attempt. You can win with a guy who's going to hit those downfield attempts when it's play action and they're coming up because they're, they're, they're worried about his legs. And that's what you're getting with, with Jordan Travis at this point. And that, that long throw to Ontario Wilson, that's exactly what I kind of expected them to do. And, and I, it was really interesting to see how they used formation. It was a nice scheme to get the, the safety, the right safety isolated on your fastest receiver, Ontario Wilson. And, in a situation where basically all he has to do is run all the way across the field. That's the easiest throw you can make for a quarterback because there's no one over in that zone. Just throw it all the way out there and just tell him, throw your guy across the field and he'll go get it. And that's a nice scheme to get the safety isolated on him. And again, that resulted, it should have been a touchdown, resulted in in three points for Florida State. Again, that's the difference in the game. And that was a great play to McDonald in the end zone by, uh, by, by Travis escaping the pocket and then just before falling out of bounds, uh, finding McDonald, who had worked his way open in the end zone. And again, he should have gone down for a sack there. But that's what you get with him, is you're getting a guy who can make plays just because he's not going to get flustered. He's going to make, he, so far, he's made good decisions. He's gotten them in the right checks, the right protections. He's used his legs as enough of a threat. And then he, the thing you've got to, re- the other thing you really, got, you've got to give Jordan Travis credit for is he understands who he is as a quarterback. He understands his strengths and his limitations. He has not yet tried to play outside of his limitations. He understands what throws he can make and what throws he shouldn't make because he's unlikely to be able to make that throw. He understands where he needs to get down, he could actually protect himself a little bit better. He, he understands when he needs to, to make that throw on the run and when he needs to just tuck it because it's a bad idea and it'll get picked. And that matters a ton. And you think about the a number of plays that he escaped actually on the play that he got hurt. And, and hopefully, I mean, the, the fall that he took there is the sort that gets me worried about a, a collarbone injury. And yeah, I know he was showing that he can move his arm around and everything else. But I wonder how much of that's adrenaline and just a, an unwillingness to show to show hurt, to show pain. I hope he's okay because, I mean, Florida State is not the same team without him at quarterback, even though Chubba Purdy did take a lot of reps this week and is finally cleared to play. He's just not ready from what I'm from what I'm told. He's he's getting there. He's getting closer, but he's not he's not ready. He's not as good as Travis is right now. So you want Travis on the field. So in any case, you look at even that play where he went down and, and got hurt. That should have been a seven-yard sack, but he 
use that little spin move, the patented EJ Manuel spin move, to escape the the grasp of an all all Amer- a preseason All America linebacker and get out into the open field for a first down. And you win with guys because they make those plays. And again, only eight completions. Okay, fine. But 16 carries for 107 yards, 6.7 yards per carry. And then that opens up things for Webb, who had 12 carries for 109 yards, 9.1 yards per carry. And the other thing is that Florida State won its matchup up front against UNC's defensive front. Now, Carolina's defensive front, as I said, is not the best in the, in the, best in the conference. You know, they're not, they're not a great defensive front, but at the same point, they also, you know, they're, they, they've got scholarships and they got a couple players there and Florida state's offensive line has not been, not been in position to be a, to bully anyone. They've not been, they've not been an, an offensive line that's been able to reveal weaknesses on anyone else's defensive front for quite a while now. And they did in this game, they won their matchup against Carolina's defensive front which you could see was pretty gassed by the by the by the end of the th- uh, third quarter really. I mean you you look at they averaged uh 8 8.8 yards per carry. Florida State averaged 8.8 yards per carry in the third quarter and 5.3 yards per carry in the fourth quarter. And again, they were able to maintain the football. They had 10 10 minutes of time of possession in the fourth quarter because they were able to run the football and they were able to run the clock and that was, you know, that was that was critical because they weren't really able to move it all that well all the time. They weren't able to score. And they they actually left quite a few points on the field offensively. But they were able to possess the ball enough with that lead to basically play keep away and run out the clock. So, and then you just, again, you come back to those, those two blocked kicks. And one of those was a scheme issue a little bit uh, on North Carolina's part. It was also just poor fundamentals by their end man who's got a got a block inside. He's supposed to take the guy that uh, that that he's supposed to take Jakai Douglas, who's the one that got free there. Uh, and then the other also the shield didn't fundamentally handle its business, and Marvin Wilson made a play. But those plays were critical. Again, Florida State wins those wins the game on the basis of those plays and Kando's interception as much as anything else. And again, I just cannot emphasize how much of a huge step forward this is for Florida State as a program in that it gives them something to build on. It gives this offensive staff more to, to basically say, look, you, if you're going to do this, this is going to be the result. It gives the defensive staff the ammunition to tell their guys, look, when you guys did it right, look what happened. And like I said, it's huge for recruiting, but it's even bigger for buy-in with the players already on the roster because it convinces them that all the sacrifices that you're asking from them are worth it. Like, look, you guys haven't won a game like this in a long time, but now that now that we're here, now that we're asking you to do this stuff, now do you see why we ask you to do that? Do you see why we ask you to, to make that, to, to stop doing that and to do that? Do you understand that what we're asking you to do is actually going to result in, in good things, is going to result in wins? And guys buy in that much more. That's where you want to get as a program. And, you know, North Carolina is a year ahead of Florida State in terms of the turnaround. Now, talent-wise, they're they're kind of the opposite. Uh, they're about a year behind. But this is this is that signature win that convinces the guys in your program that that you know what you're doing and that they can actually that they can actually win these games. That they can beat ranked teams, that they that they can be what Florida State is supposed to be. So that's a huge thing for Mike Norvell. And 
you know, who knows how many of these guys are actually going to come back since everybody gets a free year of eligibility. Who knows how many of these guys are going to come back in terms of some of the, the key players? I mean, some of them have kind of played themselves out of high draft position so far, so you just don't know. But either way, this is this is critical. You have to get those signature wins early. And you think about like Mac Brown last year at North Carolina, the key one of the keys to their season was getting wins against South Carolina, who turned out not to be that good, but against South Carolina and then Miami early in the year. Those first two wins were absolutely critical. And then they took Clemson down to the wire, lost by one one point and should have won that game, actually. And that was proof of concept and everybody's bought in. And all of a sudden, North Carolina is number five in the in the country three games into the next season. That's how you turn programs around. You have to get signature wins. It just so happens that North Carolina was the signature win for Mike Norvell in his first season. It'll be interesting to see what this does moving forward. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna run into a buzzsaw with your next team with the with the next uh, with the next opponent. But you know, this at least you can you can point to and, and use as a positive as you move into the rest of the schedule and say, look, we can beat just about anybody we play. So that's that's a real positive. And uh, you know, Florida State fans have to be thrilled that they feel that and feel like they've got the right coach in, in Tallahassee, that they've got a coach who one of the key things, and this is one this is what I'll I'll close on. You know that you've got a quality coaching staff, especially in the first year in a program, when your program, when your team is getting better as the year goes on. That's one of the marks of quality coaching. And you can see that with Clemson the last few years. That Clemson would start the year in each of the last couple of years, people were like, oh, you know, they're not playing as well as they had. And, you know, looking at last year, you know, they, they ended the year a little better than they had. And by the end of the year, they are absolutely, it's blitzkrieg football. They're just dominating teams. And, you know, you look again at North Carolina at the beginning of last year versus the end of last year. You could see the shift in the program. Good coaches, you see their teams get better over the course of the year and over the course of season to season. And I'll say this, since the Miami game, every game that Florida State has played, they played a little better. Little things from the prior week that they didn't do well have been cleaned up. And then there, you can see them just little things, fundamentals, gap discipline, getting the right hat on a hat in the running game, protection stuff. They, they're getting better week by week. Now, it certainly helps that they now have the quarterback position where it's not shooting him in the foot constantly, but they've been getting better. And that's the sign that you've got a quality coaching staff. And that's a really good sign for Florida State fans about what's going on in Tallahassee. Go ahead and wrap there. Thanks, as always, to my sponsors, Luis Marquez, Shenandoah Newsma, Garage Makeovers, and EPR Creations. As always, their information's in the show notes. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. Special thanks to those above the bleach numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>